Welcome everyone. I'm Nathan Harris, and this is the New Perspective Launchpad, the show where we talk to leading voices in the startup world to hear their stories and their challenges that they face on their path to rapid growth. With me today is Blair Heavey, who is the CEO of Indesco. And Blair has guru status amongst the startup community. He's helped scale companies in a broad range of industries, including software, health tech, fintech, and now clean tech. Blair's worked with over 25 companies as an operating executive and as a board member to help them innovate and to grow. Blair, thank you very much for spending some time with me this afternoon. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Oh, always a pleasure talking to you. So for those who are unfamiliar to set the stage, could you please share for the listeners what Windesco does? I'll start you know, first with, you know, I, I joined Mo Dua, uh, who's the founder of Windesco. And really, I joined him to, uh, to partner in with uh, helping Windesco, you know, expand and grow in the, in the really exciting renewables energy market. So the Windesco platform unlocks the hidden value of wind plants today and enables the next generation of smart wind plants in the future. So think about it as wind turbines kind of communicating between themselves. And instead of like a standalone wind turbine, you know, in the future, you'll see a thriving community of turbines able to talk to one another, connect one another, and obviously drive increased performance. So the, the market that we solve is, you know, the reduction in power prices, you know, globally and reducing operating margins. It's a really, really kind of tight uh, organization and is driving wind plants to be more efficient, right? They need to drive more revenue. They need to be able to get to their full potential so that the wind operators themselves are fine. The investors who invested in all of these plants are happy and they have smiles on their face. And, and when we go into our customers, most even don't even know the extent of the revenue loss that they're having until we get in there. And then we help them to generate anywhere from two to $8,000 per megawatt annually which is in the you know, low millions of dollars of annual revenue production on each one of these little wind plants that they didn't even know that they had. Blair, I thought we might start by digging into some of the challenges that Windesco has been facing recently. And if there's any in particular that you feel like you've got a good handle on, that might be fun to hear about as well. I don't know whether we've overcome these challenges. So I'll kind of hit you with a, with a couple that I know we're trying to overcome mm -hmm. you know, right now. One is, you know, kind of around that thought leadership, which is, you know, consistent and crisp messaging. You know, I think we're iterating and evolving kind of towards that. So we're certainly getting a lot better, um, but I don't think we've cracked the code fully there. It's, it's a tough space, but it's a, I would say it's a noisy space, right? Um, in that there's a bunch of different companies that, you know, will, will say that they can help either optimize on the top line revenue or gonna optimize on the bottom line, let me help you predict that your turbine or something in your wind farm isn't going to produce. And most of that stuff that you know, we've seen in the market is, is, is pretty much noise in the market. Yeah. But with noise, you gotta kind of like dig through all of that stuff and you know, uh, define kind of where, where do you play? What space do you kind of own? And what's, what is your kind of unique kind of differentiation uh, as, we, as we go into the market? Looking backwards for a moment, what's been one of the biggest surprises that you've had over, say, the last six months? I think probably you know, the, um, the fragmentation of the wind market, right? Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I, I've had a lot of experiences across multiple markets and, you know, scaling companies across those markets, but I, I don't have any renewable experience until Windesco. And that's what the, uh, the team's experience plus my ability to scale, you know, our, our goal is one plus one equals three there. Um, but I didn't think that there was a, as many players in this uh, market that speak to similar things. Um, and just kind of throw those things out there without, you know, as many proof points, the, uh, the proof points that, you know, we've delivered all of these things to the market. And not only do we deliver it for those wind farm operators that we have today, you know, we have 22 customers and growing, but they want to see a trusted kind of platform that certainly has all of the algorithms and analytics and data that's there but also is kind of forward looking of, you know, I want to kind of, you know, uh, hit, hitch my wagon to somebody that has data, has expertise, you know, can help me improve today, but also in the future. So that's why, you know, when we think about like all of these wind turbines, you know, communicating with one another, so, you know, these, you know, smart uh, wind plants or smart social, you know, kind of plants. Um, that's why they want to work with us. It's like, hmm, you've, You've become trusted because you did what you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. We like that. We're going to expand with you because of that. And nobody's talked to us about, you know, kind of what we can continue to do in the outer, outer uh, years on wind plants. You guys did. And you're going to keep providing more and more of these things. And you become that platform of choice, I think, uh, you know, of what I've seen in past lives because you have trust you're growing the platform, you're delivering more and more value rather than just a point product solution that, uh, that I think, um, you know, from my fairly limited time in the renewable space and the wind market space is, is most of the people out there are just trying to you know, give a point product solution and not kind of looking at the best interests of the, uh, the farm itself, the investors and, and the companies that are working with them. Blair, I'm curious what it's been like for you to foster this culture of content that Wendesco's demand generation is heavily reliant on with a team of engineers and subject matter experts who maybe haven't had experience like this prior. What's that been like for you? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, they have the, you know, incredible subject matter expertise yes. and incredible attention to detail. And how do we package that with, you know, kind of both business messages and market messages that are more easily digestible? So we 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 talk a lot in the uh, in the uh, the group with Windesco is, um, you know, we want to be a little bit more kind of Silicon Valley like than 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 Boston where we're based, right? And then you know they kind of scratch their heads when they first brought that, like, what the heck does that mean? Yeah, what and like. We, we, we need to be visionary. We need to be kind of bold. And, you know, we know that we're going to deliver the best pr product platform out there and need to be proud and, you know, a little bit bold about the messaging that we have uh, to, uh, to that market. And I think the guys are really realizing that, that, hmm, that, that makes sense to them. Um, I think it's out of their comfort zone a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. like, we are a Boston-based company. Like, yeah, we are, but you know, we need to have a little bit more there. So imagine for a moment that money grew on trees and it was not a concern for Windesco. What would you like to be doing differently if you could? 
I think there's probably like two main things that, uh, you know, that if, you know, if I had all the money at the right valuation, Nathan, uh, to, uh, to, to do that, um, I think we'd add to our R&D and, and customer success teams to advance that product faster, right? As I said, you know, time is the enemy and uh, we need to move as fast as we can on product, the innovation that we're driving as well as you know the uh, um, the, the 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 really the the love and value that we get back from customers because of the customer success team. So making sure that we have enough people to go do that would be one. I'm super excited about the team and uh, what we're able to put together in the roadmap. And uh, you know the the best part is the team is you know energized and aligned behind that. And, you know, in my experience, you, 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 you aged me and dated me with all the 25 uh, different companies, but you know, that's, that I, I've been around the block a few times and it's that team excitement and enthusiasm that drives innovation because, you know, that's what you want in a startup. And we have, you know, uh, a, a great team of PhDs and engineers that you know, are super passionate about the space, super passionate about the customers and are driving you know, probably harder than they've ever driven in their careers because they believe in the product, they believe in the customers, and they want this to, uh, uh, to, to be delivered you know, faster and better than anybody else can do it in the market. And that's what's great about startups and, and innovation in my experience is those you know, kind of almost rabid teams that are you know, bound, bound together to, uh, to go solve uh, you know, a gnarly problem and, and, and do it in a really, really quick way. Blair, what advice do you have for a startup that's struggling to get their sales teams and their marketing teams to align? I know you have a lot of experience here and I'm interested in, in uh, the words of wisdom that you have to share. I think it's, it's you know, make, making sure that they understand kind of what, the, uh, what that crisp message is, understand that they're, there are a lot of the things, the eyes and the ears of, of the organization, and they need to kind of understand, you know, kind of that. Um, in a lot of ways, early startup guys uh, on the sales side are kind of like Swiss army knives. And, you know, I, I refer, and I think I've talked to you about this before, you know, the Navy SEAL versus the Army infantry person, right? And, you know, in an early stage startup, you know, we're, we're still fighting, we're learning, we learn every day um, and we need to bring that in. So the, the Navy SEAL, you know, can adapt like a Swiss army knife, right? And here's what we think is the plan, you know, uh, salesperson, you know, X, it steps one through 10. And, you know, if it blows up at step three, right? That person knows how to adapt, right? Based upon kind of the structure and then also eyes and ears to quantify what's happening within that market and bring it back into the company, mm-hmm. you know, versus somebody who here steps one through 10, and I am going to kill one through 10, even though if I, I might get killed in the process and you know, that, that isn't as effective, I think is for, for startup stuff. How about on the hiring side, Blair? How do you approach the difficult decisions around when to onboard new team members and when it makes the most sense to hit the timeout and, and wait? It's a really tough one um, because you don't want to overhire because then it burns your cash faster than you thought. And you got to go back with that potential surprise to the investors. Like, remember, I told you I wasn't going to come back here for two years. 
but I'm coming back before. You know, usually they don't they don't like that. Um, so what I try to do with with our teams is is stretch as much as we can, kind of without you know killing people, right? Um, but we're a startup, and you know we work hard, and you know we try to play hard and f- have fun as well. But you got to kind of stretch out, try to maximize the uh, the nickels and the dimes with you know infrastructure. Um, you know, making sure that you have systems that you know machines can do what uh, what people could, if if you can. And you know, I try to have flexible outsourced partners that you can kind of turn off and on that you know, have, hopefully have a lot more experience than your team, that they can get things done in a much faster and shorter period of time, um, that you can kind of flex in and out of that when you need uh, to be. But you have to have a core amount of, you know, kind of the, the, the right people around the table to, to help to drive the, uh, uh, the, the organization. And um, it's, it's an interesting balance act, but you gotta, you know, kind of say, push the team as much as you can try to innovate uh, and get efficient with systems and then outsource, you know, where you, uh, where you can uh, to, uh, uh, to outside experts, um, you know, on the, I would say more on the go-to-market and finance side, you know, I, I, I never, you know, say outsource the product or the tech. You know, people have their, their own lives as well, you know, which sometimes, you know, kind of does get blurred in, in, uh, in COVID when you can jump on a Zoom anytime. And I think people more and more, you know, want their own personal space at some point. So, you know, we try to do as best we can, you know, balancing between work time and, uh, and you know, kind of off work, home time. So let's talk for a moment about um, the relationship and communication between leadership teams and say the investment group. For those companies who are in the early stages of their growth and they've received maybe their first or the second round of investment funding, could you share some tips on how to effectively manage this relationship between, um, between themselves and those that they're receiving funding from? That is a very uh, you know, kind of delicate subject. Yeah. Once, once you take money from people, um, it's, it's like entering into a marriage, right? You have a partner. Whether you like that partner or not, you know, you now have a partner that you have to be transparent with, open with, um, and also have them kind of do their, their job as well, right? They're not just there to, you know, kind of give you the money and then take off. They have roles in, in early stage startups to, you know, go help you introduce you to certain customers that you didn't know maybe help you with a marketing message. Maybe it's a technical person and they can kind of help you with some of the product thinking there. But it's really important that, you know, for a seed series A, series B stage kind of team to align with those investors on, this is where we're going. This is why we're going there. This is what we're doing. These are the steps I'm gonna kind of go take you through. And this is what I need from you to be successful that you're all aligned because it is a big macro team. And I think too, too often, um, you know, in the startups that I've advised in the past, you know, people thought they, they won because they got the investment. No, that's just the starting process. Or they thought that they, they, they didn't have to listen to the, uh, to the investors, you know, once they got the money, right? This is my money, I'll do with it what I want. Like, no, you've entered into a marriage, right? And that's a transparent, hopefully honest, upfront, you know, kind of team and partnership that you need to do. So 
alignment with those folks and understanding roles and keeping kind of, you know, crisp on what you're doing so that they understand and you know, the, uh, a board member or an advisor or an investor never wants to get surprised. You know, hopefully I'm not as grumpy as Bill Belichick, but I do believe in his <laughs> plan, right? Which is everybody has to do a job. We're all on one team. We all understand our roles on that team and we can kind of check our egos at the door and play our role so that the team wins. And, you know, outside of the grumpy part of it, um, that I think the, uh, the Windesco team has really done that well. So now look into your crystal ball, right? You got it. And if you're looking into the latter parts of 2021, what does the year look like for Windesco? What are you most excited about? It's really kind of developing that future smart wind plan, right? It's, it's having the ability to, you know, track from an, a up, up market uh, wind turbine, you know, what, what are the wind conditions, what's happening within the, uh, the flow, communicating all the way downwind to the, uh, to the turbines that will do two things for the, uh, two major things, I would say, for the, uh, for the wind farm operators. You know, one is I got to go capture more revenue. So how do I adjust my turbines, you know, kind of dynamically and on the fly? Okay, great. The second is maybe some of these turbines, you know, we're, we're getting so much energy, you know, from the, uh, from the market and the power prices aren't where we want them to be. Maybe we can shut down a couple of these turbines based upon what they're telling us that sustain the life or extend the life, you know, of those turbines. So you can kind of help them on the bottom line, you know, as well. I think it's a super exciting time, right? Product is going into a, uh, a new vision, um, or expanded vision on a new vision. Um, messaging, we're getting much, much crisper on. And our go-to-market uh, you know, strategy is getting much more traction. Yes. And we're building out that team. So you know, from the time you know, I've been with the company for uh, you know, just about six months now, a little bit under that. And we will, by the end of 2021, we will over triple uh, the, uh, the size of the company as far as people goes and greater in terms of uh, revenue and product ad adoption. So it's a super exciting time and it's exciting kind of mission too, because, you know, we're, we're, we're making the world a better place by allowing these wind plants to become more efficient, drive more revenue and, you know, reduce you know, our carbon footprint, not ours personally, but, you know, the world's because more and more of wind energy is being used. Excellent. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Uh, I'm, I'm really good on email. So it's Blair at windesco.com. You, you, you know, we're small and growing when we can still use our first names, although Blair is pretty unusual. So that's okay. Um, or give me a call on my cell, my work cell at 617-494-0811. I'd really like to thank Blair Heavey for being my guest on this episode of the Launchpad. I'm Nathan Harris. Until next time.